1: I'll have people tell me, you know, I love Jesus. I don't want anything to do with the church. Church full of wicked hypocrites
2: and all this stuff, and I go, congratulations. And they say, what? You're doing the work of your father, the devil. You're not David. The Bible's not about you. Ask me what I know. Don't ask me what I feel about myself. Ask me what I know about God. Ask me what
3: I know about His Word. Ask me what I know to be a verity that can deal with my soul. That's what I need.
4: I mean, this is what's wrong with the Christian church today. We don't know who God is, and we don't know who we are. Give us some men who know the truth and who will declare the truth and who will stand
1: with Athanasius and Polycarp and Calvin and Luther and Whitfield and Edward and who will declare from the housetops
2: that the gospel is the power of God and of salvation. Hey guys, and welcome to an episode of Roundtable 9. I don't know how we can exactly follow up with such an awesome intro now, but we're going to give it a shot. Uh, As the usual, it's Nick, Paul, and I leading this charge in, uh, in the Roundtable discussion. However, we've got a surprise for you this week. And we threw in a couple extra names, and so uh, I'm going to go around the horn here and introduce everybody really quick, and then we're going to talk about our topic, because we've got uh, some stuff to get into. So we've got Brad from Theology Nights. Brad, you want to say hello?
1: Hello, everyone. Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it.
2: Yes, thank you for coming back. We've got uh, Jason from Daily Reformation Podcast. How's it going, guys? Thanks for having me. And we've got another special guest, Anthony, who runs Speak Gospel Truth page on Instagram.
3: Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me.
2: So now, we are uh, love to have you all here, so we've got a huge powwow tonight. So all six of us are going to be discussing these topics with you, and uh, we felt that— uh, you know, traditionally in the past, we've taken questions from viewers, we've taken topics from viewers and discussed them on the roundtable. We've had a couple guests here and there come in and and done. You know, uh, you know, have had four people. I think all three of the three of you gentlemen have been on. You know, our podcasts with us at different times, and uh, so that's been really cool. So we've gotten to know you guys really well, and our audience knows you guys hopefully pretty well as well. But we've got a pretty cool topic tonight, so. Uh, Paul, I think is out somewhere snoozing, and Nick is <laughs> here mixing the, the the audio for us, so we don't lose. Nick is our DJ. Yeah, Nick's the DJ tonight. That's my job. And I am your wonderful host, so you get to listen to my crackly, boring voice all night long. So, and I, uh, so earlier this week, uh, I'm sure you, you you all saw it. I put up some questions. So normally, what I do is. Uh, Just as fun, I I do an ask me question box and I get hundreds of people ask me questions. And and as I can answer them, I will reply and put up. And then Paul usually corrects me because I'm usually wrong on most of them. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So this week I felt like um, I needed to do something different. And I, I don't know why I was led to this. But um, I think when, t- Tuesday or Wednesday morning when I re- was doing this, uh, I think it was Wednesday, I said, uh, you know, I-, I think I came across a couple conversations, and it really, the-, the-, the range of, like, biblical knowledge really just kind of shocked me, more so than normal. So I asked a series of questions. I asked people questions. And uh i just let you know put answer boxes in and let people kind of uh go to town and i asked um let me look here i think there was 13 questions in total Uh, there was 11 12 14 questions in total and we got a range of answers and so here's kind of what i want to do is just i'm going to ask the question to you guys i want you to answer it and then we're going to kind of uh, we're not going to put anybody, we're not going to throw any uh, people under the bus that answered, but I'm going to go through some of these answers and just kind of see what your thoughts are. Now, like I said earlier, the, the biggest reason I think this is is because uh, you all could probably attune for this, is that on all of your platforms, you guys kind of get these questions over and over. You see the conversations on Facebook, Instagram. I don't know if any of you are on twitter or not but uh it it just shows such a lack of biblical knowledge it shows a lack of um kind of uh understanding of just simple truth and you know we we kind of pick up on a couple things and we run with it so uh so i'm going to ask these questions and i want to kind of just have a a discussion and then we'll, we'll kind of move through it so uh I think that's it. Nick, did you want to throw anything else out there?
4: No, I think you framed it good, and we can just go ahead and walk through it. I tried to copy and paste what I said before the show into that.
2: <laughs> so <laughs> I don't think it really was quite the same. But So without further ado and no food talk on this conversation, Oof. we're going to dive right into question number one. Gentlemen, tell me what the gospel is.
4: I think we should have one of the esteemed guests uh, jump on that.
2: Jason, I want to hear your thoughts. What's the gospel? Man, it it seems like
5: if it's like the center of our faith, it should be so easy to describe. But when you put me on the spot like that, you know, (laughs) the gospel is the good news literal translation of euangelion from the greek um the message of jesus christ that god sent his only son jesus to the earth 2000 years ago to live the perfect life that we haven't lived and to die on the cross to pay the penalty for the sins that we've committed and that's the atonement and then he rose from the dead 3 days later as he prophesied as he predicted and then he ascended into heaven and the implications of this are usually what we refer to as the gospel, the fact that we are eternally saved and forgiven
2: through what he did. All right. Um, Brad, let's see what you got.
1: So that's that's a very clear answer. Um, I don't really know... I always think when somebody asks me like what the gospel is, I always, and I pulled it up so I could read it. First uh, Corinthians 15, uh, where Paul says, I would remind you brothers of the gospel I preached to you, which you received in which you stand and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain for I delivered to you as a first importance, what I also received that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures Then he appeared to Cephas, and to the Twelve, and then on and on and on. But verse 3 says, I delivered to you as of first importance. Uh, The gospel message being that which is the, 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 the first thing that needs to be clear when we are and we were kind of speaking behind the scenes when we started what's the first thing we need to get to the unbeliever to make sure that they understand it's of first importance is the gospel that message that we are not able to in and of ourselves save ourselves therefore god had to do something on our behalf and and we look to the cross and we see our, our wretchedness. We, we don't see how amazing we are. We see how guilty we are and how guilty we stand before a holy God. And, and and therefore he, he sent his son, he sent his son to die. That was the plan. He was crushed. He was pierced. You know, like Isaiah three says, um, that message is, is the gospel that, that he, he died, he atoned, he paid for our sins, uh, redeemed us from a life of darkness and, uh, therefore, we might be raised with
2: him uh, one day. Well said. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, wow. So, Anthony, you want to throw out your answer?
3: Yeah. Um, I mean, so when you know when I've when I've been asked that question, uh, I mean, you guys go really deep, and um, you know, and and I've had people ask me that question, and it's funny. Like uh, Jason said, being put on the spot to kind of explain that, I'm like, oh, um, but you know from i guess the very basic level i look at it as um you know jesus came and and died for uh, for all those that will accept and have faith in him died for our sins um, on that cross uh the perfect sacrifice because we can't keep you know any of the law no matter how hard we try and um and he conquered death uh giving giving anybody who would accept him uh have faith in him um a, a way out uh so um that's how I explain it and uh, that's what I believe the message to be It's very basic <laughs> compared to your answers but um, that's you know that's kind of again um, when I've been asked that kind of a question uh, trying to give it at a very basic answer um, so that people can wrap their heads around it um, that's kind of where I go.
2: I think that's perfect Nick Paul do you guys want to chime in?
4: Nick. Sure, do I go or you go. I don't know. <laughs> I was waiting to see whether or not you're gonna go.
2: <laughs> take a good
4: job at it.
6: Sure. So um for evangelism, I have this basic outline, which everyone has pretty much said already. Character of God as expressed in the law, how much of a, of a, of sinners we are before this holy God, what we deserve, what Christ came and did and, and do on, on the cross, and the outcome of that, when we believe in Christ and trust him, You know, we sometimes look at ourselves to see, like, the the measure of sin. And to do that, you just have to look at Christ's life positively. He never failed one single day, one single second. He completed the law perfectly, all the prophets. So, if you want to see the attributes of God in display in someone's life on earth, just look 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 at Christ and see how how perfect his his whole life is. And then just compare yourself with him, and see how far you short. I mean, how how short you fall put that one around it and when you get conviction of sin of course that's God's work you have to lay your trust upon Christ throw yourself in his arms as if you're a little child throwing yourself at at your dad's arm on a pool and you don't know how to swim I think that's like the a a good illustration of of saving faith leave yourself aside and um, grab a hold of Christ and what is his will be yours
4: It's hard because um, all you guys have said it in great ways, in different ways. And so whenever I think about like, well, you know, how would I say it differently? And I I would start with, of course, the the good news is dependent upon the bad news, which you guys also relay just in different words. And that there's that qualifier, that reality that we have all fallen. We all sin every single day. And at the end of the day... God is going to look at our works as a good judge, and he will have to do something with them. And you can bring all of your your good deeds to him, and at the end of the day, your good deeds don't cancel out all the bad you've done. A good judge will send you uh, punishment in accordance with your evil deeds. And so the good news is that Jesus came into the courtroom, and he took our place, and he took our punishment so that we could be set free and redeemed. But not only that, but he rose from the dead, so that we can live a new life, and He's bringing creation into res- restoration. All the corruption, all the pains, and all the world are being restored through the resurrection, just as much as every individual who is in Christ. So the good news is the restoration of creation back to the to the design of God, back to the uh, image of God, and uh, I think we've all summed it up fairly well. I would say. Yeah, I. I agree with all of those
2: statements. I think that's, uh, I think you guys um, nailed the, you know, the the, the whole point, Uh, you know, everybody has kind of a different approach. Everybody has a different angle. And, and as you know, I probably got uh, at least maybe north of 75 answers to this one question. And most of the people that responded um, all said, Fairly the same thing. Now, obviously, constrained on space, and so many people responded two or three times. But uh, you know that we we are sinners. Christ came, lived the perfect life, was the perfect atonement, died, and was resurrected, and um, atones for the sins of the elect. And you know, some people talked about the good news, which is, you know, again spot on. But everybody kind of has that little different piece. And my, my only uh, concern, and I think, Nick, we've talked about this on a prior um, episode, is putting too much emphasis on the death of Christ mm-hmm. and not the resurrection. Yeah.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Because I see that a lot in the responses that people say that he died the perfect death, and then a lot of people will either, you know, leave the resurrection to, like, just a, you know, another line or that they don't even include it. And, you know, um, I'm just going to read know, this one. There's
6: a really important verse from Romans, I forgot the chapter, I think it's chapter 4 four or 5, where it says that Jesus was raised for our justification.
4: Mm-hmm, yeah. and the
6: way R.C. Sproul puts it is perfect. He says that... Well, he said since he's with the lord now uh, that if christ only had died for us we would only be back in a state of innocence as adam was in, in the garden of, of eden and therefore just one thing that we would do after that we just fall right back into sinfulness and mm. into um, slavery of sin so christ's resurrection and it's really all over the book of acts the apostles preached more of the resurrection than of the death of christ and that tells you that without the resurrection, you can't have justification because that's how Christ was justified before the whole world, not in the sense that he was sinful and needed to be forgiven. That's heresy, of course, and blasphemy, but because all of, all of his claims to deity and everything that he said were justified in the, in the eyes of men, that he truly was the Messiah and the Son of God. And without that, without his raising to life, we really can't have A Savior, because a dead Savior isn't good for anyone. No, He had to rise in order to give people what he accomplished.
2: Yep. And I I just want to read one of these answers, and it's a good answer, um, but I think it falls in line with what we're saying. It says, We have all sinned against a perfect God. Therefore, since he was wholly just, we deserve his eternal punishment in hell, that out of his great love and mercy he provided a sacrifice in his Son, Jesus Christ, fully God, born as a man lived a sinless life and became a perfect substitute for all who would believe in him for salvation. And so we see everything really well there. And then we get to the perfect substitute, but we don't get to the resurrection. Right. Yeah. And I think, I think one of the biggest missing points in, in the modern church and modern evangelicalism and, in everything, is the resurrection. Yeah. And, you know, we. how many songs do we have about the cross? A lot. <laughs> and we have nothing, I mean, we don't have nothing, I mean, we have plenty about the resurrection, but I mean, we. it, it almost feels like the only time the resurrection gets notice is Easter.
4: You think, um you know, th- thinking about this too, whenever you think about the way that, say, Romans uh, 6 presents itself or the way that most of the New Testament presents itself too, is that, you were dead in your sins, Jesus died with you, you died with Jesus on the cross, Yeah. and if there is no resurrection, then you were not raised with Christ into newness of life. That's a very key component in terms of uh, the regeneration, in terms of sanctification, in terms of glorification. It's a really big component uh, that points to restoration, and uh, it, like uh, Paul kind of relayed, you're just kind of dead if you don't have the resurrection. And I think that uh, we, we tend to look at it more individualistically than we should, too. I think the gospel is also uh, points to restoration of the entire creation. I think we often forget that. I know I do. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it really is the, the hope that we can have, not only as individuals who are justified, but as we look at the corruption of creation. Yeah. And, you know,
5: I don't think it's possible to overemphasize the atonement. But you can underemphasize the resurrection, because um, 1 Corinthians fifteen seventeen, Paul says, "If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins." Yeah. So that's a serious matter, and if we just neglect that, then we're missing half the gospel.
4: Yeah, and half half the gospel is in the gospel at all. Is in the gospel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. All right, gentlemen. Any
2: other last thoughts on this question? before we move on
1: uh nick you made a really good point about the bad news and i think a lot of times in modern christianity american christianity um or even i mean now it's worldwide i shouldn't say american christianity but this feel good message about christ it is so often the bad news is forgotten it's it's so it's so much you're a good person you have good in you everybody is good we're all just good Yeah, But in order for that good news to be truly good news, the bad news also has to be taught. And so I appreciate you saying that. That was a very good, very good point. I think,
4: I think too, with that, I think within that view, a lot of people turn sin into something external and that's how they get away with that. It's that God is saving us from these external things that have nothing to do with us because we're so wonderful and he's just trying to help us.
1: Yep. Great point. He's
5: our magic genie.
4: Yeah, Yeah. A lot of,
5: a lot of worship music today. Has phrases like "instead of sinful, it's broken." Like we're victims.
4: Yeah, you know? exactly. And we're not victims. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. It's the- hey, Anthony, write that down. We're <laughs> gonna use that yeah. line in our yeah, yeah, in my, in my our episode. Awesome. So, but Jason, you bring up a great that because you know they've removed you know uh, a lot of the language that was written in scripture and written by the early church fathers and written by, you know, even traditional hymns. And I made that point on um, the, the hymn podcast episode I did. And I actually even said something similar in my last sermon, how the transition of language starts to downplay the meaning that Scripture has on us. Yeah. And, you know, I preached on the Beatitudes, and and some of the newer translations use the word happy instead of blessed. And mm-hmm. and so if you think about that, I mean it's like, okay, well, we're just all now a bunch of happy go lucky, yep. you know, everybody gets the free ticket to heaven. And it just gets tiring because you just kind of hear all the time, like, Oh yeah, I'm good. This pastor knows that I'm good. Jesus loves me. You don't get it. Yeah, this I know. <laughs>
4: <laughs> that could, you're not
2: getting anything out of it.
4: Yeah. 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 That, that goes into a harder that, discussion too though. About trans, translations in general, because it's kind of like, well, at, at what point do you allow for changes in terms of modern English? For example, "luo" it, it means to to loose, and we know that phrase, you know, whatever you bind in heaven, you loose in heaven, kind of thing. Uh, most people don't know what that means, and so a better English translation would be well, to untie. Or there's even a rendition that could be to destroy, and it's kind of like, well, where do you set the limits on where you translate different words and uh, I've I've been trying to struggle through some of that too because sometimes I be reading through the CSB and I'm like what and it kind of throws you for a loop and uh, it's just one of those things that we really need to take a, a deeper look at Bibles in general and study and actually do word studies and think more mm-hmm. deeply about what we're reading because there is nuance there that's important I think. That's right. I don't want to have to learn Greek though. That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> I don't.
5: I don't want to force myself to go down that road. But in order to do proper exegesis, you kind of have to know the Greek, you know. So
4: a lot of it, too. Though you can just from paralleling different English formal translations, you can get the rounded off answer. Uh, yeah. 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 So I mean, Nick was born in Greece. What? <laughs> you were born in Greece. That's I mean, why you know so much Greek. I don't know that much Greek. You I, were born in Greece. No, I was no. not.
2: <laughs> yeah, I was like, what? <laughs>
4: I do have a Gr- is actually
2: a uh, Greek god, so in his past life or something.
4: Lowercase G, yeah, lowercase G. It is true that my name is Greek, though I do have a Greek name, so mm. that's about as far as that goes. Okay, <laughs> and it wasn't pronounced in Koine or Erasmian Greek that we teach in seminaries. <laughs> I think it's disgusting. I don't know why we teach that. Anyway, what was the next question? <laughs> 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 Moving on just, real quick. you just have to say that i don't know why i hate the way you harass <laughs> pronunciation sounds yeah i'm not a fan of it i've seen some stuff but not
2: anyways next question <laughs> what must one do in order to be saved
4: i'll start Good since works. i went last who said that you're fired i didn't i didn't <laughs> I was going to say be baptized. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, well, I, I knew you were going to say that, Paul. I was waiting for that. Paul's,
2: Paul's disqualified from this conversation.
4: <laughs> I think I, so this kind of goes back to the language thing. Cause Alex was just saying, you know, we shouldn't change language. And so he may, he may shun me for this, but I was thinking about re- repentance shun. and the way I've started Ugh. describing it to people is turn away from your trust in yourself and turn towards trust in Christ which expresses the same thing, but I've, I've found that that's the easiest way to express how do I become saved? You turn from your reliance on yourself to be saved and you turn on the full and complete work of Christ. I don't know how people jive with that, but that's kind of my short answer, I guess. Well, yeah.
2: Before I let everybody else answer, I do want to ask you this question to you guys who are language geeks. Doesn't the word repent and acts actually indicate a, a a past tense or a passive form of the word
4: mm, like it, like it happens to you like yeah like you've been repented by like god you've
2: been yeah like god has repented you because god is predestined and foreseen and sought you out mm. and therefore you because People argue that repentance is an act that you do, which then would become a workspace that oh I can I can repent. I've got the power to repent. And I, and then that counteracts what Ephesians two eight through ten says.
4: Every time I hear that I say you can't have faith if you don't repent. You just can't. You you can't separate the two because you can't turn yeah. to Christ if you don't turn away from that which is yeah. keeping you from Christ. Which mm-hmm.
2: is I fully agree. Yeah. So And
6: I'm just I'm just checking here. It is an active and an imperative. So,
2: it's not passive. Okay, and then, I don't know if it's
4: past tense, but
2: I think go on. Yeah, I think that's past a good time. Might be the one that I'm looking for then.
4: I think that's a good time to mention that repentance does include turning from sin because of its yep. nature. Because if you're turning from your self reliance, you're turning away from sin because self reliance yep. is sin. Period. There's a, b- but, b- yep, a bunch but of different ways to go makes, around that.
2: But it means to change to turn around. <laughs> is it repentance a past tense?
4: Repentance in past yeah. tense.
6: In Acts 2.38, that's the first time we've really seen it proclaimed, right? I am Act- not. Well, no, Jesus said, um, repent well, for the kingdom of God is at hand.
2: Yeah, I, I guess if you're talking post-ascension.
6: Uh, so did John the Baptist. Post-ascension? Yeah. yeah, this is the first time.
2: Yeah.
4: You would have um, to go through and look your, at every instance. What is your
5: guys' understanding of Acts 17.30? Oh. Uh, it says, the times of ignorance got overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent.
4: That's my understanding of it. Yeah. yeah. I think that's I think it's the same thing as like God saying, Hey, there's a moral law, do it. Okay. Yeah. You know, yeah.
6: there's that in
4: and of ourselves we can't. Right. Yeah. As that,
6: created in the image of God, you have the responsibility to believe and trust in God. And if you're not doing so, then well, you're out. Yeah.
2: Well,
4: so what was the initial question? <laughs> I was just gonna ask you.
2: That, what 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 must one do in order to be saved?
4: Oh, I already answered. That's someone else. Anthony, what do you got? Truck long on. Well, yeah,
6: Anthony, go first.
3: (laughs) Okay. Um, Well, the uh, turn. Well, wait, wait. What's the question again? What What
2: must you do in order to be saved?
3: Well, it's. um, I mean, that's accepting Christ as your Savior. I mean, He's the resurrection, the life. Um, But uh, but with that, as we were talking about, is you know repentance, and that's the one eighty. Away from sin um, and and walking, kind of, we we, we talked about that sanctification process. So you, you start turning away from sin because Christ. Um, it's not just accepting Him because anybody can have the set of faith, and you know that's a whole rabbit hole in, in and of itself with uh, modern Christianity. Um, so it, it's it's really uh, you know it, uh, yes, accepting Christ as your as your Savior as your you know He He chooses you and um, you know and, and I I think. Just to kind of touch on, I think that, the, you know, a seeking heart, God is going to—God knows that seeking heart. And, and that's, you know, we, we get into election, and he seeks after those seeking hearts. So, um, it's, you know, it, it's funny. When I was reading those questions, and I, I didn't answer them because I was like, wow, I had to really kind of sit with them. Um, because when you when you have them right in front of you, I think like Jason touched on in the previous question, you have it right in front of you. But then when you get into it, you're like, "Wow, what is the answer?" And it, they're really simple questions with very very deep answers. So um, you know that that's my answer <laughs> to to that specific question. All right.
2: I hope I passed the test. <laughs> D minus. No, I'm just kidding. I'm telling you.
4: I feel- <laughs> I did I agree I great hard. I did find uh, it interesting I, from a reform perspective to say that um, God well, I can't remember how you phrased it the the seeking heart God uh, seeks out the seeking heart. I thought that was interesting. I mean, I mean, we can have different views on regeneration. I just that was the one thing that stuck out to me. It wasn't anything I would necessarily like let's go to war about. I was like, oh, that's interesting.
5: Well, I guess that brings up the question. Uh, Does regeneration precede faith or does faith precede regeneration? And, you know, in answer to your question, Alex, um, what must I do to be saved? I would answer how Jesus answered, you must be born again. Mm. Um, The question is, can you birth yourself again? Or does Mm -hmm. God have to give you new life um, through
4: regeneration? You can drop the mic right now if you'd like. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's fu- it's funny it's funny I'll, that I'll you said it. that. <laughs> it's funny that you said that because I was just talking to Alex and Paul, and I said that someone had asked me, "How can I be born again?" And I said, uh, "You can't do anything to be born again. Those who repent and believe are born again."
1: Well said. Yeah, you got to drop the mic on that one. <laughs>
2: Very good, Brad. What do you got?
1: <clears throat> yeah, to take like a little bit of of everything we've said, I think what we like have to do, I I think is, is the believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Mm -hmm. I I think in its simplest form is, is belief and everything that we do after that is because we are regenerated. And so the, the initial act and you know and I think I think we would agree on this I think um, we are we are regenerated which causes us to be able to, to do these things that that we do as followers of Christ to be born again to to see this new life this new person who goes from death to life they are regenerated by Christ they they place their faith in him but their initial act is 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 what uh, I, the gospel is the power of salvation for all who what believe like faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. How will they believe if they haven't heard? Right. So, so belief is our response. That's, that's what we do. And then I think in its simplest form, you could put a period there because after that, like then if you say, well, you have to believe and be baptized or you have to believe and do this, you have to believe and do that. Like you're adding something that now has become a requirement for salvation. Uh, but in its simplest sense, uh, we believe, which then takes us to, um, you know, a, a life of, of living by faith.
4: So here, here's a follow up I would throw out all of you guys from that is, well, what is what is believe? Mm. What is faith? trust?
5: No. There's the wrench. I was actually asked that by a Muslim friend of mine just yeah. yesterday. He's like, what, what does it mean to believe in Jesus? And I, I had to think about it for a minute because that's. That's tough. I'd like to get your guys' answers on that.
4: I think that today a lot of people just see it as mental assent. Yeah. If you're in America right. and you believe in Jesus, that he existed, then you're good. That's how I've seen a lot of people treat it. And that's yeah. kind of how Rome treats it, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Right, Paul? Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I have a pretty pretty rough answer on that one. So when when Nick
6: said, did you say that the intellectual bit was all that mattered today, Nick? Basically, uh, yeah. Well, yeah, so uh, to truck along that, uh, faith has three main stages, if you can call it that. It's it, it it has the data to it, like the information of the Christian faith, you have to give it to someone else, or they can't believe in something that they don't know. Then you have the ascensus, which is the intellectual assent that Nick was talking about, agreeing with the uh, truths that has that have been proposed to you. That is the ascensus bit, and then you have the fiducia, which is um, the heartfelt, and I'm not talking about emotion here, the heartfelt reliance upon that revealed truth that you have assented to, and living according to that.
4: Yeah, I've heard that last one as uh, described as the the conviction of the truth's truthfulness. Little A ma- little mouthful there, but that's how I've heard it. Yeah, it sounds pretty good.
2: Yeah. Yeah, because I'm, I'm looking at my answers that people gave me, and a lot of it, you know, falls in line what we've been talking, believe, repent, and believe, uh, rebirth, repent, and believe uh, in the works of Jesus Christ. You know, some people take
6: repent and believe to mean two completely different things when yep. they're actually two, two faces of the same coin. Yeah. You can't believe without repenting. And you can't repent without believing.
3: Yeah. So, so the man's question. The so, based on what you just said, then um, that would actually that points to um, the thief on the cross, because you know, and to what Brad was saying, you know, when you start adding these things, um, you know, you have to do do these specific things, but it's it's really about belief in Jesus. So the thief on the cross, he, um, you know, he there wasn't um, this this repentance as we you know this process right you know he he died up on that cross and um and and jesus said you know uh today you will be with me in paradise so is that kind of you know what you're talking on paul
6: what do you mean with that
3: well you, you know you so you believe and in that belief there is actually a repentance that you know when you have a true conversion yeah um I mean, it's, I'm totally paraphrasing, praise, totally paraphrasing what you said, but, you know, that's that's how I kind of understand it. And, and the thief on the cross popped in my, into my head when you, uh-huh. when you made that statement. Can I yeah, talk? well,
6: he's always used as an example of someone who can be saved without the quote-unquote fruits of repentance, but right. you can actually see the fruits.
4: Yeah, I was about to say, can I talk on that for a second? Sure. Yeah. Uh, so, Luke, yeah. we're looking at, uh, what chapter? Luke 23. Yeah. 40, 30, 41. 43. Yeah, I'm going to start in 41, and we indeed justly, for uh, we are receiving our due reward for our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. That's a sign of understanding that you're an heir. Yeah, and he's rebuking the other guy. And he's rebuking the other guy, and he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. That's conviction of truthfulness and awareness of who Jesus is. Yeah. And so both of those, repentance and belief, right there in verse 41 and 42
3: amen
4: that's awesome yeah and it and i think you know when we look at what we see today and a lot of people
2: like to point to that as well he simply just you know i know nick you just totally totally decimated it but people like to go back and say well he you know he just believed and made it to heaven right and that's kind of the, the the central mentality of the christian church today is you know somebody said it earlier you know i could just believe and that jesus existed and i'm good to go yeah and and what you see that the proclamation of the, the thief on the cross, what you see that people um, profess in Acts as they come to hear the word preached, we see it in the early church fathers, we see it through you know, the, the Reformation, and we see it even now in some of the more uh, persecuted areas of the world. When people come to truly know Christ, they live a life that they are willing to die for their faith.
6: Just and just look I, at, the, at, the, at the proclamation of the thief, yeah. At the, at the uh, plea that he does to Christ. With all the anti-lordship stuff going on right now, mm-hmm. they, could, they could actually use that as an argument, but if you read what he said, remember me, he's pleading for him to do something that he cannot do, that yeah. the thief cannot do when you come in, in your kingdom. Mm-hmm. I mean, if
2: that's not lordship, then whatever. Yeah, I mean, it just is... I think it nails it and i think a lot of the answers that i got were um similar you know confess with your mouth that lord uh, jesus is lord that's based off of romans 10 9 somebody says um place all your faith in jesus christ alone for their salvation it's god's act god regenerates god is sovereign his elect will come to a saving faith in christ contribute and then he quotes uh, jonathan edwards contribute the sin to make it necessary Um, I think most of the people got this one pretty, pretty well, just as we've all kind of discussed variations of the question. So, um, that's, you know, again, I think it comes back down to, um, is it God's work or is it man's work? And I think we've all pretty much nailed, nailed it down that it is God's work and only God's work that, uh, brings us to a point of saving faith.
4: I think that's worth. I think it's worth noting too, that I mean like the works that we do here at the end of the day, whenever we stand before Christ, we don't point to our works. We we point to Christ's works and the works that we have done are of eternal value. They have nothing to do with our salvific value. Yep.
2: Mm.
5: Yeah. All right. Go ahead. Sorry. When a lot of people are asked like, where is your assurance? Why are you sure that you're going to heaven? Mm -hmm. Um, If they have a misunderstanding of the true gospel, they're going to say, I prayed a prayer. I yeah. said, I accepted mm-hmm. Jesus in my heart. They're going to point to themselves, or I'm doing enough good things in my life. And yes, Paul does command us to examine ourselves to see if we're in the faith, but ultimately we point to God's work to regenerate us. It's not even us. If you look at Ephesians 2, there's no way we can like, a, we can point to ourselves for any of it.
4: Yeah. that's, a, that's you know, a, Can
5: that's I just add point. to that?
6: If you go back to the Reformation era, you have... Uh, a Catholic cardinal named Robert Bellarmine. He was worried about the same thing that you were talking about, Jason. People now just give assurance to anyone who raises a hand in a, an an altar call or evangelistic meeting. And I think his, his concern in that time, uh, he was actually quite right about it because we see it happening now. He said that the greatest Protestant heresy was um, assurance of salvation. Of course, it's not. He, he was a heretic. He was a Roman Catholic. But I can see some of his concern in what is happening now, for example, at Joel Osteen's church yeah. or any evangelistic meeting with a, a word, faith preachers or, or antinomians.
4: Yeah.
2: It, you know, I, I, I want to bring, I want to say something that's compi- kind of sidecar here, because when you said Joel Osteen, it in it brought to light something that happened to me yesterday on Instagram. So somebody shared a page of a female preacher at a church and, and I, I'm going to air quote preacher. (laughs) She's standing on stage, mumbling her, her mumble jumble that she does. And I guess this church, and I'm going to air quote that too. Uh, is going through a series on prayer, and I air-quoted that one, too, for all of you who are listening. So the post itself is on savage prayers. I'm sorry, what? Yes. (laughs) You You are to not pray the boring prayers, but to pray the savage prayer, Nick.
4: I guess Define Savage. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna step in and I'm gonna do something weird. I might defend a little bit of this. Define Savage. Uh-oh. Because oh, whatever I think of David in his anger praying to God or the psalmist in general mm-hmm. praying to God, mm-hmm. there's definitely passion. So what a savage. Well, I agree with you. And I think there
2: is I think that I think the term may not necessarily be the right term to use. Yeah, Savage is pretty uh, it has connotations to it for sure. And it's definitely a modern slang in yeah. how we look at, mm-hmm. you know, our relationship with Christ. They are saying that we shouldn't be praying to, you know, grow a larger bank accounts or anything, but to make those really specific requests. Like, I really want this, you know, car. Like, she made an instance that she didn't want just any guy. She needed a man.
4: Okay. And
2: that's nothing like she, the psalmist. No. Yeah <laughs> absolutely nothing. No. Not gonna hear David uh, uh, pray for a man. Oh she uh, and she used a boaz and then she started and then she relayed Oh, I've, I've heard seen that this. thing before. Yeah, and then she relayed it into the, the cursing mantra that yeah. she does. I think you know who I'm talking about. I don't She know. said fine Yes dot 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 yeah yep yep yep. Oh
6: I so know. That exactly. I wanna hear, hear Brad on that.
1: <laughs> which uh which part would you like me to to jump in on? all of it (laughs) all of it yeah pretty much we're We're still talking about savage prayers and it's a
6: one on on a quote-unquote stage not not even
2: a pulpit it's a savage like a circus
1: that's what i was gonna say yeah because if we start like savage i mean for all of us i mean that like that jumps out as like an odd term like why would you say savage prayers but I, I kind of see where we're going, like there needs to be some sort of, um, you know, well, not not like the prayers, like, well, God, if you feel like doing this, you know, it would be really nice if you would draw my friend to yourself. I mean, I know if you're busy and stuff like that. And so perhaps that's what's going on here. Like she's she's trying to, you know, that's where she, I, I was going to say preach, but that's not, that brings up a whole different conversation that we would have <laughs> to have, but like, maybe that's the point that she's trying to make is that uh, there needs to be a little bit more, you know, power, I guess, in, in our prayers. Is, is that kind of what's going on?
2: Well, I'll let you I'll let you uh, respond to what I said to her in the comment. So I said, if I'm going to be praying a savage prayer and I air quoted that, uh, I said, my prayer should look more like this. Lord God, strip me of all of my idols strip me of anything that would take my eyes off of you, make me like Christ in every facet of my life. If that means beating me down to literally nothing, so I will be obedient to you, then Lord God, make me like you. And Mm -hmm. I said, and that's what I said, you know, like this is a savage prayer. Yeah. That's just biblical prayer. Yeah. Yeah. It's biblical. It's raw. And then I, I posted that. It got, Deleted and then I got blocked from her page. Wow.
1: Well, she
2: Literally. was savage. <laughs> she was savage to me. That's so. a savage move. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's, so. it's almost
3: like this need to reinvent um, Christianity with these yeah. hip terms. Yeah. Reckless and love. It, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Right? And, exactly. And Paul, Paul you, you hit it right on the head. It's biblical. It's you know, it's this whole thing of, of appealing to fill seats, to get likes, to do what, you know, to sell album. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's very concerning um, today.
4: I don't know. So I, I just had to do it. I, I looked up savage on urban <laughs> dictionary because I just had to, to get more clear. Cause I always saw it as like a, a negative terminology in terms of like, or not negative, negative in terms of the person who's receiving it and positive towards the person who's, who's dishing, it, I guess. And it says a savage, is someone who does not care about the consequences of his or her actions. And it's only just said reckless love. And so I was like, Oh, that's kind mm, yeah. of funny. <laughs> reckless. Right. But wow. yeah. So it's like, pray to God, don't care about the consequences. If we take it literally, yeah. I don't know if that's exactly what she was saying, but you know, words have meaning. So
3: it, 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 I mean, it, it's, it's the whole, the whole thing with, you know, our God being a just holy God and reverence for God. It's man, it's out the window um, in, in, in these, in the modern church in the in visible church. And in, in that, confu- it's, it's very confusing, especially when you're, when you're talking or trying to, uh, share the gospel with, you know, with these folks and, or people that are embedded in, 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 in that kind of church. I actually talked to a pastor, um, and I was talking about, you know, submission to, you know, we're slaves to Jesus, you know, we submit and he said, well, we want, we use the word faith. More? You know, we're not, and I, and I was, I'm just, I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts on, on, on that. If I'm, I'm going down a rabbit hole here, but.
4: Instead of submission, you use the word faith.
3: Yeah. We, yeah, exactly. Because Submission
1: brings upon negative thoughts towards people in the congregation,
2: I bet.
4: Yeah. Exactly. Well, why don't you use obedience? See if that one works better.
5: Yeah. Hmm.
2: Yeah. I think obedience well, would be the, would be the best term to even put in there. I mean, because you could say submission or and obedience kind of go hand
4: in hand. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, though. Obedience is a negative, too, because as soon as you start talking about uh, obedience, what's the first word that comes to your head? It's legalism. Yeah, legalism. Anytime you preach obedience, it's legalism. And that kind of goes into, I, I was thinking about this as we were discussing all this, is like, how many people say these terms, don't think about what they mean, and just speak it because they've heard it? And yep. then we're all saying different things and we don't really realize it. Um, and that's kind of goes back into the, the fundamental uh, issue that you were discussing, Alex. Is like, how much literacy is there in terms of the Bible? And it's like, mm-hmm. do you know the terminology of redemption? Do you know what atonement means? Do you know what faith means? Do you know what repentance means? I would argue that a lot of people just don't. <laughs> but yeah, I would agree. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, Nick, I think yours and my conversation with your buddy yesterday is a oh, clear okay. example yeah, that was a mess. Of that,
4: that was a tragedy. Well, what was um, the question again? We, we're getting to that. I was just going to say, let's move on to the next question. <laughs> yeah, this, this is good. I'm. I think this is going to be really helpful for a lot of people.
2: Honestly, uh huh. I, I think so. I'm. I mean, I'm enjoying this, and I'm glad this kind of panned out for all of us to do this because yeah. Providence. This is a, Providence, just like my socks, showing up <laughs> miraculously. <laughs> Did you guys hear about that? Were you here when I was making that? No. So. Uh, my, my office is, is in the back of my garage. All right. And it's well insulated. It's pretty warm in here. It's 60 degrees, but it gets a little chilly. And so sometimes during the winter, I'll wear socks when I come down here and I just didn't have any. I was like, I got to the bottom of the stairs and put on my sandals. I was like, man, I could really use some socks if I'm going to be down here for a while. I get down here and there's a pair of freshly washed and folded oh, man those right laws of attraction chair. dang
5: totally. you know it's also miraculous the fact that we haven't talked about food yet
6: no no no. Yeah, we're, the we're, fact
4: we're, that someone in chicago wears sandals <laughs> uh, the fact that it, the fact that like 60 is warm is what he was saying that too i think yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well when you're in chicago anything above 40 is warm so <laughs> right, question number three gentlemen Ex- and this is the tough one, so this might this is going to take some answers. Explain the deity of Christ.
4: He's fully God. Okay, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> uh, I can't add to that. One. I don't know how you explain
2: deity.
6: Yeah, like,
4: I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what they want. That's that's kind of like. Well,
2: I guess what I was trying to say is maybe explain more of, like the character of Christ or yeah. <laughs> explain.
4: I just totally forgot that you were the one asking. I was like, I don't know what this person's asking me. (laughs) (laughs) What is this guy doing here? Gosh, my bad, Alex. No,
2: you're cool. I get it. I get it. So what did you Um, mean
4: when you said that? Do you want to clarify? Well,
2: well, yeah. And I, you know what? And I got the answers I was hoping for that. Obviously people were knew what I was trying to say. Not what I literally said, but uh, no, you're cool. Um, to get at is sure. one is Pentecostals, Alex.
4: Yes, I was. Oh, that um, makes
2: sense. Tr- try to explain to me the character of Christ. You know, uh, basically in a nutshell, who is
4: Jesus Christ? Go. I want Brad to go first. I How choose How much time you. do we have?
1: Well, Brad the you know, man. Put the <laughs> time. Put the clock up. Uh, I mean, next to it, you know, he's fully God, and I think with that part of his deity, then you can go into some of his, you know, his omnipotence, his, 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 omnipresence, some of, I mean, he's without sin, but like once you start explaining that stuff, I mean, then it's almost like hard to not get into other parts because like, for example, his, his, you know, he's without sin. Okay. Well, so, so could he have sinned? Like was the ability for his sin there? Well, then you we answer that question. That's part of his deity as well. Um, and then you get over to like you know his hundred percent like when he put on flesh, he was hundred percent man, um, and so then that brings in like he was tempted in every way that we were. So what what part of his deity is, is there is there any of his deity in his manhood? Then you have to answer. Um, and then you talk about his he's he's the high priest like from the book of Hebrews, and so then it talks about um, his, his he made one sacrifice and and, and then he sat down and. Um, so that's a part of, of his, uh, deity there, there's so many, like, I think I would want to know first what the person meant by the term deity. Like I would, I would want to know that answer. And then I think that could clear up how we go with that. Like, are, are they just talking mm-hmm. about, like, the character of Christ, like who Christ was? Then you could answer it in a little bit more. Uh, but I think all of us could, could talk about, like, like, we could pull a book off the shelf and go to, um, you know, the Christological section of the book and then read through that. And that's going to be a basic mm-hmm. description of his deity. Um, so I, I, that's what I would want to know. I would want to know what they meant by deity. So let's Brad, Can
6: I just ask on. Brad something? Yeah. When you yes. said about the high priest, Christ being the high priest, does he intercede for us ask yeah. God or ask man?
2: Mm.
1: Uh well he would be God because he's in he, he wouldn't have brought I, don't, I I don't believe he would have brought his quote unquote manhood to heaven because his his work at, he was our, he was our high priest basically representing or or from a uh uh, like if we're talking about just like the book of Hebrews does, he was he was man slash high priest while he was here on earth, and so he made atonement, he fulfilled his role as priest while he was here on earth. Then he, um, then he he rose to heaven and it says then then he sat down. So his work is complete. And and I don't believe I believe that as he is interceding for us, he would intercede as God. Hmm. Did I pass?
4: Yeah, I like that. So my I my, have a, a
6: follow up question isn't the high priest the role of a man? Like said, everything you said, I know that Christ is both God and man, it can't be separated, but their their natures are not confused or mixed. So then, if the high priest's role is that of a man, and Christ's perfect life, perfect obedience to, to the law, uh, death on the cross, resurrection, ascension, and inter- intercession, those, those are all aspects of his humanity, right?
1: Uh... Yeah yeah I mean that's a good question. Um now now that I start to think about it I th- I think his role, yeah the the priest if we're talking about like in the Levitical sense and things like that they they certainly they represented or they attempted to represent because they never com- could completely do it yeah. they attempted to represent man and, and God they they were the the intercession between those two but but Christ's role as it, Christ's role as high priest, it had to have been not his hundred percent man because he couldn't, I don't think he could like, well, I mean, he could have, he was, he could do whatever he wanted to. But from the sense of like putting that priesthood, that system to an end, like, I think he would have to have done it on, in his, in his Christ nature, in his God nature. That's what I I would think. Yeah. that's a really good question, though, and I preached through Hebrews, and I, and I never really wow. thought about that from that perspective. That's
4: a that's a really good question. I think of it as yeah. uh, both ahead, natures. And- I think of it as both natures are compl- are necessary for that role, because yeah. you can never do it and in, in it's entirely sufficiently unless he was God, but he also uh-huh. needed to be a human representative as a priest.
5: Yeah, and I think to an extent we're getting into like ground that we don't have specifics revealed in scripture um but i like what you said brad and you touched on this too nick about how the priest's role is to basically be that intersection between like representing god to the people and representing the people to god jesus being truly god and truly man is that perfect mediator
4: yeah so whatever point so whenever I think about Christology, to kind of go back to the question, whenever I'm talking to someone and I'm kind of checking off the boxes of like where they stand, my biggest questions are: Is Jesus fully man? Is he fully God? And is he eternal? That's kind of the three that I always go back to because you can say that oh he was fully God, but he wasn't eternal. I've heard that before from from what? various. Yeah, I mean, I've oh, heard that I've, work. I've heard Jehovah's Witnesses use that. Is that what oh, Bethel? But did a little G God. Yeah, a little g god. Little G. Not yep. not not almighty God, but a mighty God. Yeah. And so that's their change tra- changing of
1: John one, <laughs> is
4: that yeah. he was a God. Yeah. So that those are kind of the three that I look for. Those are mm-hmm. because once you take away the eternality of Christ, you take away the deity of Christ. And I think all of us mm-hmm. can logically yeah. work to yeah. that. Yeah. Because otherwise God isn't immutable all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat>
2: Yeah, I th- I was gonna just, I think Nick, you just went down the the path I was gonna ask and uh, say how would we clarify who Christ is to you know an average or even a new believer because I think that's kind of the the approach we've been taking with this episode is you know what is the gospel, how are we saved, and who is Christ, and uh, I think you you nailed it. I mean, we asked we have to getting into the finer finite pieces that Brad was going on, uh, is an absolute tedious and amazing study. Um, I mean the, the, the theology of Christology is, um, mind boggling when you start to really dig into, um, a lot that's been written and, uh, one I have yet to really explore deeply.
4: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's almost like, Hey, why don't you go, uh, summarize a thousand years of christian discussion
2: if yeah for more. four minutes
4: yeah it's it's re- <laughs> it's, it's a massive s- subject and it gets mm-hmm. really complex really quick and even some of the best minds who are christian didn't agree on every single detail like the impeccability or peccability that uh brad mentioned and things like that yeah yep.
2: so from a real
3: base i mean a basic level i'm going to answer it as well. So same thing, fully God, fully man. And and what I've told people and you guys can, you know, let me know if I pass here. Um, You know, I also say that he's, he was the perfect sacrificial lamb uh, to atone for our sins because um, you know, that that's, you know, that is why he came to die for our sins because we couldn't accomplish that. So, uh, you know, that's how I view him as you know, that perfect, um, the perfect sacrifice that was needed so we could uh, come before a holy, just God.
4: You raise an excellent point that mm. both the humanity mm. and the deity of Christ is completely necessary for salvation. Because a yeah. lot of people don't understand why did, why did he need to be human? Why did he need to be God? And those are very important. Otherwise, the, the cross just kind of falls apart if you don't have both components. I don't want to call them components. Mm-hmm. I don't like that. But you know what yeah. I mean?
2: All right. I think that's a. Uh, we could do like a whole series of episodes just on Christology. But yeah. Uh, yeah. For, for the sake of uh, this episode, we're going to move on. Question number four Anthony, I want you to start this one off. So, what are we saved from and what must we do going forward?
3: Um, okay. What are we saved from? Well, we're saved from the, I, I can't even imagine the wrath. Of, of a just holy God um, for being sinners God can have n- not a speck of sin in his holy just uh, presence um, so uh, that would be my answer to the first part what was the second second part of the question
2: and, and, and what must we do going forward uh,
3: so going forward um, and we've touched on this throughout this episode and, and I've heard you guys touch on it on
2: all of your episodes is,
3: you know, going forward, it's, it's a, it's a change in nature. It, it's, it's, it's taking on, becoming more like Christ uh, through our, through, through everything, our word, thought, uh, you know, our, our, our deeds, everything to become more like Christ moving forward. Once, uh, you know, we acknowledge and, and trust in, in him as our, our Lord and savior, because he, because he fulfilled that the law, you know, the 10 commandments, everything that, you know, we work so hard and strive for, um, you know, he was that perfect sacrificial lamb. So uh, moving forward, we we try to, you know, emulate um, on this side of heaven best we can.
2: All right. Anybody else? Jason, you want to take crack?
5: Sure. I mean, Anthony, you did a great job on that. I don't think I have anything to add for especially the, the wrath part. We're saved from his wrath. You know, just to clarify what, Some people say that's false about this. They say we're saved from poor health or suffering or we're saved from the wrath of God. And that's something that a lot of people don't want to hear, but it's a biblical reality. And Jesus bore that wrath himself on the cross in our place. Um, So um, and then in terms of moving forward, uh, we obey him. And it's important to clarify, we don't obey him in order to earn salvation. It's because he already earned salvation for us that we joyfully and gratefully obey and so we have to keep that in mind, but we should seek to bear fruit. Um, in John 15 Jesus says, um, by this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. So bearing fruit of good deeds and uh, and that includes uh, the faith and repentance, which, well, that's kind of another topic. But proving to be his disciple simply means showing the evidence that he has truly saved us. And that's sourced from him. So moving forward, we just we seek to bear fruit
2: that's good i think i mean i don't think this answer i mean uh, correct me if i'm wrong i don't think we can really put too many angles on this one um yeah. i think it's and most of the people i'm reading through these answers kind of uh nailed it uh you know they're saved by grace uh from god's wrath and the obedience kind of you know is this what follows so um that's exactly what I was going through. It's a pretty straightforward question. Um, so let's move on to number five. so what what work did Christ need to complete?
4: Oof. That's a whopper. It is. Yeah. Triple whopper with bacon on it. The problem is I, the problem is I want you to explain what you're asking. and I, i know that that's not i know that's not part of the game i'm not playing the game whenever i do that no you're not you
2: you lose the game
4: um so in order for
2: everything to uh in order for salvation to be granted obviously it's a pretty straightforward answer but what was the work that christ needed to do for our salvation to be granted
4: so he needed to forgive us of our debt. He needed to fulfill the law because we could never do that. He needed to take the punishment. Well, I guess that was part of the first one. Mm. Um I think those are the th- the primary ones. I don't know. Because you can talk about I mean, I guess redemption could be part of that, but that's also part of uh you know, taking on our debt and li- living the law. But it's it's kind of hard to split them because you can say, well, you know, adoption is necessary, but adoption kind of flows from the other ones. So I don't know how I would, I don't know how I would break that up personally.
2: Anybody else had thoughts? What was the question? What is, what was the work that Christ needed to do um, in order for us to achieve salvation? The problem is that the question, I know it's yours. So forgive me for this. You <laughs> No,
6: no, Nope. the question nope. says the work I think that's too broad
4: Yeah, I can the, agree with the that.
6: work would have to be if we say works Christ had active and passive obedience, active in fulfilling all the law, joyously and gladly for his father's glory and the passive part is receiving God's wrath that was due to us I don't know how much I can expound on that
2: no I think that's that's fine. Anybody else? I think mainly what I was really going for in it is, you know, the the fact that Christ, you know, that we were unable to achieve atonement for the sins by the animal sacrifice in the Old Testament by, you know, way of Levitical law, and that Christ was the perfect sacrificial lamb living the perfect sinless life to die the death that we needed to die to face the wrath of God we should face. And then to be resurrected into his, you know, into the new state that to atone for the sins of us, because none of what we are able to do on our own. And um, I, you know, I think that's kind of the, the, Really, I mean, that question could probably be asked a hundred different ways because it's really what, what's the foundations of the Christian faith. All right, so I guess that uh, answers the question. I mean, I, it can be very broad, but you know, one that we I just think people fundamentally need to understand. And again, each of these questions could probably have their own hour to two-hour conversations with. Um, but for time's sake, let's move on to the next one. And this is the one where we start to get into some some, some muddy waters and uh, <laughs> I think we could be s- try to be simple if we can um,
4: or or not but uh, uh, explain the Holy
2: Trinity and go
4: three persons one being share the same substance try to understand that
6: <laughs> I, I the definition memorized it's pretty much what Nick said. Um, in the one being of God, there eternally exists three co-equal persons,
5: Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's right. Yep. You know, I used to say before I really got deeper into the Reformed truth and the studying the knowledge of God, I used to say God is one God, three forms. Now so I realize that that's modalism. Was... yeah yeah mm. so now i say persons because you got to be super careful about the language there mm-hmm.
4: yeah paul gives me a hard time but i, I still like the h2o uh analogy <laughs> i i just always qualify it with the, they're simultaneously that and they, they don't turn modes so it's it's you have h2o what do you
6: mean that those are modes
4: well like they're h2o they're, yeah it's all three all three simultaneously instead of having to transform to one to another that's kind of the way I cl- clarify that because that's really the air is the air that they have to turn from one to another. But if you have H two O and it's uh-huh. all three at the same time, then you don't have a problem. Yeah, but you can't have uh, solid, gas, and liquid at the same time. That's what I'm saying. If you if you take away if you say that this simultaneously, then it leaves oh, the issue.
6: Okay, I I got you.
4: Yeah, that that's. I remember I said that one time, and you're like that. That's heresy. I was like, I'm sorry, man. <laughs> I did. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was like I'm one. Sorry, of the, that was like one of the first conversations we had. I think. Was I caged? Not. A, I don't know. You're, you're still caged. I am. It, it I don't is. Think so. It is dangerous oh. to use those analogies. It is. Yeah. The, the egg one is the probably the worst. The egg one's uh, weird. I don't even understand the egg one. I don't understand it's, like it's why someone would things, use that.
6: different things, man. That's like trifeism. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I actually, the reason this is, you guys are just going down where I wanted to go. <laughs> um, this is an interesting topic now because I want to really hit on. What are some methods to describe that we should totally avoid? Because in this question, I got a lot of people that said, no, I can't explain it. And, and that's good because I don't, you know, if they can't explain it, they're not going to take the trip down heresy lane to try to justify their belief. They may have a, a, you know, in their mind or in their theology, a belief on what it is, but to articulate it to words is, can be difficult. And when it comes to explaining the Trinity, um, you know, it was we declared it's three separate persons, that is the key. And they don't change hats, they don't do this or that or the other to uh, when, when God needs to take on a form or if he, t- you know, because then you get into the heresy line in that realm. And so I was really, I was pleased that I got a lot of people that said, that they weren't even going to take a stab at that. And everybody who did actually answer said it was three distinct persons. I had a couple people say three distinct beings. Oof. Um, that's sketchy. Yeah. That's where you start getting in see, and this is why this stuff's really important because these should be fundamental truths. And, and while you, if you lay a foundation of what is the basic definition and then, you know, teach people upon that. I think you're fine, but because sh- there shouldn't be all this. Like somebody said, it's a three wi- three leaf clover. I've heard that one too. I have. Yep. Um, Me too. Or I, I'm so shocked that nobody said a pretzel.
4: Is, <laughs> is there a pretzel I've analogy? Heard. Yes. If you How? have
2: the, the the three loops of the pretzel.
4: Oh yeah, I mean it's oh, basically wow. a Celtic knot, which is what that was supposed yeah. to represent.
3: mhm so you know um,
4: huh. my, two
3: cents, it, my two cents would be um, and and I don't know if this is good or bad what, you know when I've been asked this question um, and actually my youngest daughter asked it and it was tough explaining it but um, you know, some what I what I give it back to God in the sense that you know there God is way bigger than us. And there are there are things we will never and I've heard it. I've heard people say this, obviously, um, we'll never understand, you know, and this is one of those things that, you know, uh, we just we just won't understand. We're, we're finite. God is all knowing, all perfect. Uh, so um, it's just one of those things. Um, so I, I, am I out of line in, in, with that logic and in giving that kind of an answer?
5: Absolutely no, not. I, I think you make a good point, because the fact to me, at least the fact that There are no analogies we can make that parallel, at least consistently parallel, what we find in Scripture about the triune God. That actually encourages me because it points to the fact that no human mind could just come up with this. This is sourced from God.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I also want to add one final clarifying point that God is not what you find in the shack. Yes. that That is not the triune God that you see in that horrendous, heretical pile of garbage.
4: It looked like Brad had a thought for that one. On yeah, the shack? Yeah. yeah.
1: <clears throat> no, I mean, I think that's what um, we were just talking about. There's no way that, like, um, I'll, I'll, we, we've heard all the analogies and things like that because we were kind of joking, like, well, the Trinity is like, the, you know, and then you all, like, n- I mean, you almost always are going down a wrong path when you start a mm-hmm. sentence out with the Trinity is like, because you're trying to mold something that can't fully be described in human language you're trying to make it into something that can be and the sh- and that's what the shack did and that is just a prime example of why it is so important to know theology because that's what you get that's the product of not knowing theology and that's the product of not caring about theology is is when you just put on a movie with no regard for what scripture says what happens is then everyone around the world sees that as a representation of christianity it was a number one selling book it was a number one movie and i mean people then what do they say well it's just a movie it's not a big deal the second you start speaking on behalf of god like in, in through a movie that's what they were doing they were they were speaking on behalf of god uh, to try to represent him the second you start doing that, you, you are going down a dangerous path. And with the Trinity as one example, I mean, there are so many examples of poor theology with people trying to, um, trying to reach the culture and doing more harm than good. And so I think that goes back to the importance of, listen, like, I can't fully explain the Trinity, and if you can't, then that's your answer. Um, It's better to do that than try to come up with an answer just to come up with an
4: answer. Does does that kind of make sense?
3: Amen.
1: That's
3: great.
4: We had that discussion. Actually, uh, Nate and I recorded an episode. We had that discussion about whenever you're discussing with someone and you don't know the answer, it's wise to just admit it. Because as soon as you don't, you go into sin because you're lying and you're being arrogant. And what is the motivation for that? I don't want to look like somebody who doesn't know what they're talking about, so I'm just going to throw some answer out. Exactly. Yeah. There's there's not a good motivation for just throwing yeah. whatever you yeah. can out. Well, and yep. I think that goes to the
2: point I made a post the other day on my story. I just said you cannot rely on Instagram and YouTube and yeah, social you know, that was great. media yeah. for all of your theology. Get in the Bible. And look, you're not going to be able—you know, Brad, you and Anthony said it, and you're not going to be able to answer— all of these questions of the divine God. I mean, this is God, the creator of the universe. And all that we have and all that we need to know is contained in the Bible. Yep, that's right. And most of what we can talk about in terms of the Trinity generally is speculation because we only see, you know, we see it in Scripture, but we don't see it defined in scripture as this, you know, one plus one equals two.
4: I think, I think it's extremely arrogant of any man to say that they fully understand God. And, yeah. I, th- and I think as soon as you say that you think you know everything, you don't know anything. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's, well, that's kind of so how true. I've looked at it. There's a it's lot crazy. of places I just don't touch because, okay, I I'm not, I'm not smart enough. <laughs> but I'm not God. I'm not that holy. So, and speaking of knowing stuff,
2: let's move on to the next question. So, mind you that the questions were based upon the understanding of uh, what it means to be a Christian. You know, what are some of the things that we need to have in our arsenal? What are some of the uh, things that we need to know and believe? Um, and so, my question was: uh, What are the essentials to know and understand in order to be? To call yourself a Christian.
4: <laughs> that's fitting, isn't
2: it, Alex? Yes, it is. Brad. Considering that we had a four-hour conversation about that. I was that say, yesterday.
1: what what a question to ask at 10.50 <laughs> p.m. on a Saturday <laughs> night when I have to preach Judges 6 and 7 tomorrow morning. Nice. Um, do you want any answer? Yeah, go for it. So that's going to be tough because, I, like, there, Nick, you posted, I believe... Uh, a little while ago, that graphic about essentials, like first tier, second tier, third tier. You know what I mean? Like, was that was that you that posted that? I think I had before, but it wasn't recent. Okay, all right. So the the essentials, I mean, I f- you first have to have a right articulation of what the gospel is. I, I think that's where it starts. You have to know what the gospel is and you have to be able to articulate what the gospel is. So I, th- I think we would say that's definitely an essential I think you need to have a right understanding of who Christ is. Um, So back again to, you know, his deity, who is Jesus as Jesus? Who, who was he as man? I think you need to have a right understanding of of that. I think you also need to have a right understanding of salvation, um, that it is by grace alone through faith alone. And, And I think that is something that, you know, there are so many, everybody, like, there are so many variations of, works-based salvation, that, that is something, you know, that, that is, a, to understand truly what salvation is, I think is an essential. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I think you have to have a right understanding of, listen, like I didn't do this. God did this. God sought me. Like he, he chased me down and, and, and it was all by grace alone through faith alone. So I would say that a right understanding of, um, of salvation is, is, is an essential. But then after that, I mean, I would really have to put some thought into, um, what I would consider to be an essential, uh, belief. And I think we all, like you kind of alluded to, we would, we could spend hours days. um, Yeah. Talking about, uh, what really is essential and what is non-essential. So like, let's just like, I'll just throw one up in the air. Like, like, um, uh, an essential belief. Um, I, I would not say that you have to be a cessationist in order to um, you know be saved. I, I don't think that's an essential belief. Um however, that is something that I myself believe, and I think uh, you know you can defend it from scripture, but but I'm not going to look upon a new believer and say, in order for you to be saved, you have to believe in cessationism. I, I, I don't think I would put that upon. Um, somebody, I would explain why I believe that to be um, in the Bible. Um, why the I think that the Genesis through Revelation, the the un, the redemption plan, the unfolding narrative of the Bible. Why I believe it teaches that um, you know certain gifts have ceased. I would I would explain that to them. But again, I would not say to them they have to. That is an essential for salvation. Um, I, I would not put that on somebody.
4: I want to piggyback on that, and I want to stand on a soapbox when I say it. Calvinism is not an essential and we need to stop. And a lot of people need to stop treating it like it is that, that has become a pet peeve of mine. And it's really difficult for me to, for me to, um, to, to keep my cool on that one. Honestly. Um, my, my answer is a little bit shorter and Alex, it ties into the discussion I had the other day that you witnessed Mm -hmm. that if you take the name Christian it literally connotates the idea of being a slave belonging to the individual of Christ. That is what the word meant. If you do not follow Christ, if you do not believe what he lived and died for, then you are not a Christian and It's sad that I have to clarify that, but there's many people out there who take the name and they they have no idea what it actually entails. yeah, and that's it's
3: that faith,
2: yeah. 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 I was gonna ask. I wanted Anthony's thoughts on this one too. He's been kind of quiet in the background. Uh, uh,
3: <laughs> no, I mean, I think I think they nailed it. Uh, I think um, you know, being Christ-like, following Christ, um, you know, and, and what that means. It's uh, you know, people, and I know a lot, a lot of people that um, you know, they, yeah, you know, they, they said a prayer and they they, they said that's all. It's it. I'm good. You know. I, I said the prayer. I accepted, and um, you know, the whole the whole idea of us accepting, you know, Jesus knocking on the door to your heart, and it, it just, it, you know, I I, I got to keep my cool when when people kind of put it that way, and um, you know, it's so I I don't have a whole lot to add. I, I totally agree with Brad and and, and Nick on, on on how they described it. I I couldn't even uh, you know add any, anything. Um, better so
5: um, you know I just wanted to touch on what you said Nick about uh, Calvinism not being an essential I I think I agree with you first of all but I, I think that there's just just to clarify your position would you say that someone could be full-on like Arminian semi-pelagian and and that's that's you're still getting into the kingdom of heaven because I would say that that's true
4: mm-hmm
5: yeah, But the problem is, it's so, so we would define it as error and not heresy.
4: Yeah, so um, I, I would say that it's error, but it's definitely not heresy. Heresy deals with the essentials of the faith. And while we can say that the Armenian position logically leads to some type of uh, cooperation that depends upon them for salvation, um, they don't see it that way. So it is not heresy from their point of view, um, so to speak. Um, you can logically lead them down that road. Um, But really, whenever I say that, I think about history, and whenever I think about the early church and how they articulated synergism, I I cannot stand there and say that the early church didn't have it right. I'm not saying that they they got it completely right, but I can't say that they weren't Christian, that they didn't have the essentials or that they were in heresy. Yeah.
2: Yeah, Because I think you guys are bringing up some good points because... We have to really define whether or not, you know, is, is synergism heresy or error? Does it still allow somebody to get into heaven? Um, you know, and I think what it boils down to that all of you guys have said, do you live an obedient, yeah. sacrificial life to Christ? Yeah. Uh, everything else after that can be secondary, But do you live and do you attest to the fact that Christ is fully man and fully God? And everything that we've already discussed in the show on his, you know, perfect life, death and resurrection. If you turn to all that and you follow him obediently, do, you know, everything else post that can could technically be secondary doctrine because Christ is the number one doctrine that we should be mm. obedient towards. That's
4: good. So I so I triggered Calvinists just now, but now I want to try to trigger Arminians here. <laughs> I think that Calvinism is a grace. I think studying the scriptures and coming to that reality is a grace, but I think of times where I was still synergistic and I was saved without a doubt, but I was still thinking that salvation was somehow part of uh, my my role. It was, I could lose my salvation. And Brad and I, uh, Brad talked about that on round table eight with us, that whenever you think that you can lose your salvation it's because some part of you, uh, thinks that salvation depends upon you. I don't Mm -hmm. think that a lot of people consciously are aware of that reality. I think they just have it subconsciously acting out in practice. Yep. And so I wouldn't say a synergist necessarily, uh, believes that it depends on them. I think that they just act, uh, that way whenever they start saying that they can lose their salvation. Um, and again, synergism has so many different shades. You can be like 1% cooperation or you can be a hundred percent cooperation. So it's kind of like, I don't know. It's a hard discussion, but I've, I don't know.
2: Yeah, it, 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 it's, it's an interesting topic. And, you know, honestly, I, I think we should do a whole episode, maybe even get everybody back on in the future um, after Christmas or something and do a whole show on Christian essentials, because I think it's such a fascinating topic and it, we could really do some justice for it and, uh, and and see where that leads us. But I think, um,
4: I think I know? would summarize that if we, if modern Christians today, including some of the people in our camp treated essentials as we do now, back in the early church, then no one would be saved. The yeah. the early church's creed, the, the apostles' creed was was pretty broad in a lot of respects. Um mm-hmm. they 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 looked at the bare bones, and I think that's that's kind of where I've been trying to move more towards myself. So I think that yeah. would be an interesting discussion to have. Yeah, it's well, a
2: great I, point. I literally got on Amazon for four dollars. Um uh what's his name here? I got it right here. Herman Witssus, I can't say his last name. Ooh. Sacred dissertations on the Apostles' Creed. Fancy. Oh yeah,
4: two-volume two two set. Yeah, nice. That was two volumes so, on the Apostles' two, Creed. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty intense. Yeah.
2: That's and they're not small books. They're they're like five hundred pages each, I think. <laughs>
4: wow, that's crazy. Yeah, so oh, yeah, we
2: should do that. I'm, I'm going to read these
4: maybe. Paul, you've been Maybe. very quiet.
2: Yeah, I'm, I've been waiting for the time to throw a
6: bomb.
4: Do it. Uh-oh. Bomb
6: it. Is, is the belief in the future return of Christ an essential?
5: Yes. Yes.
6: Yes. So then full preterists are heretics.
5: Yes.
1: Oh, man.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How many people can we trigger in this one segment?
6: <laughs> well, it seems that full preterists... That the only thing they can talk about is f- full preterism. So,
2: yeah, I they're going to get
6: triggered if anyone listens to this.
2: I think it's heresy. So do I.
4: I'm ignorant. Brad,
2: I'm, I want to see what Brad's thoughts are.
4: Oh man,
6: <laughs> I'm not talking about partial preterism, by the way.
1: Yeah, I, 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 I think I would have to agree.
4: I, 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 I think i would, Yeah, I would have to agree. All right. Can I ask? Okay, I'm not, I'm not debating it. I'm just asking: Why is the return of Christ an essential? Just just to kind of like get some of those thoughts out. Mm. Because
6: Paul argued against the thought of full preterism in First and Second
4: Thessalonians. No, no, no. But but why? Because an essential is a salvation issue, right? Yeah. So, what about the return of Christ would affect salvation for an individual?
5: That's
4: because then a good
5: question.
6: Yeah, but then we'll, when are we at now, in the terms of the
4: timeline of redemption? That's true. But if I if I say that, um, what is the position that Jesus isn't going to come back? If I no, s- that he already
6: did in eighty seventy.
4: Okay. If if I said that though, would that affect my salvation? That's kind of the question I'm asking. Because well, I don't I don't know that I would call that an essential. Honestly, you know what's funny
2: is I'm preaching on this next weekend. By the way, this guy. Stay really? tuned, and I'll answer all your questions, Nick. Yeah.
4: Why can't you just answer them now? No, I'm just kidding. Because I, I haven't written the sermon
2: yet.
5: I don't know if this answers your question, Nick, but Romans 8.30, the order salutis, mm-hmm. those whom he predestined, he also called, those he also justified, those he also glorified. The glorifying takes place at his second coming. Mm. And so in, it's an unbreakable chain of salvation, and in there is the glorification.
4: But doesn't that assume an eschatology?
5: Well, certainly, no. it, it assumes that well, we will be glorified at Christ's second coming. Well, I've, then I've, you have
6: the the explanation of what glorification is in First Corinthians 15, and if you don't have it that way, then it's not really glorification.
4: Yeah, man, I read that. It's just some just some food for, just some food for thought on that one. Yeah, definitely. This is an interesting topic too. Dun dun dun. dun. <laughs> Yeah, and their
6: whole position just rests on uh, Revelation being written before AD seventy. And if you yeah. scratch that, it's out.
2: Yeah, that falls apart. Well, and it's funny because literally what I'm preaching on is Luke twenty one, five through nineteen, where Jesus predicts the second or the, the temple from being sacked uh-huh. in AD seventy, and then he talks about all these other things that must happen. And so that's my entire sermon for next Sunday is um, based upon Sir, all of that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
4: Good I, luck to me. May God have mercy on my soul. I'm not an eschatology guy, but I, I know that that position's wrong. I mean, I, I can, yeah. I can straight up say that.
2: Yeah, I can too. Uh, now, next
4: question. Oh, somebody want to chime in?
3: Oh, I was just going to ask a question. Well, will, you know, what can get to the question. It's like, I got all right, there.
2: all right. This is this is an interesting one because I got actually a lot of very different answers on it. Ooh, nice. And I know the six of us should agree on this answer. should? No I hope so. Paul might be the outlier because he's Paul.
4: Oh. I, <laughs> I was the one who just threw a wrench in the gear over here. <laughs> All right,
2: what are the sacraments?
4: Oh. Well, it depends if
6: in, if you believe in sacraments or ordinances.
2: Sacraments. What does what is, no, Protest- <laughs> what is the Protestant heresy? The Eucharist Position on on the sacrament. We're not going to get into the details of them. I just want a high level of this
4: conversation because we well, have is- to get into details if you ask them what are no, the we sacraments.
2: Don't.
6: If the, what you mean by sacrament? If we,
4: if we talk about baptism one more time on the round table, <laughs> I'm going to lose <laughs> my mind.
2: That's why I said high level. Uh,
3: so like the Catholic sacraments? Is the seven Catholic sacraments? No, no. Pro- uh, sacraments. The, Pro- the Protestant oh, Okay, I'm sorry. The sacraments
6: or ordinances, whatever you want to call them.
4: We should agree on that. I would agree that we would agree, right? The Eucharist yes. and baptism. Of course, yes. a lot of people don't like the word Eucharist. I, I've turned to like it. Just means Thanksgiving. I, like it I know. I like it. It's it's fun too. to say.
2: Are we all in agreement? It is those two. I don't know, Brad. Yes. Yeah, so the baptism doesn't yeah. save. Yeah, <laughs> right. I'll so just say I think
5: that. I think every Protestant would agree that those are the two. The question is the specifics of each one. Like who is to be baptized? What does it look like? What does it signify? Uh-huh. Mm, and who be be is to be point. given communion? Yeah. And so those point. questions we can differ on but those two are the two sacraments administered by scripture.
3: I'm, Perfectly
5: I'm, hol- I'm holding my yeah. tongue.
4: Yep. Don't what are your thoughts it. on don't baptism, say. guys? <laughs> no, stop it.
5: Stop it. <laughs> Should babies be baptized? Don't call no. babies. And that,
4: and that ladies don't. and gentlemen, was the last round table.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
5: At least I'm not We're coming back.
4: Out. <laughs> I don't know. Have we talked
6: before on the nature of the Lord's Supper? We have yeah briefly
4: yeah it was like in the third or fourth one well we just explained the different views because we talked i because i remember talking about zwingli and his view Mm
2: -hmm.
4: but Luther. and i know here's here's my concern
2: and this isn't i don't want to get into the 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 two in detail but this is my concern with this question so this is the answers that i got okay um so and i i got quite a bit so i'm not gonna go through them all but uh, I got a, a lot for baptism in the Lord's Supper, Eucharist, and communion, however you want to phrase it. Good. Uh, depends, but generally Roman Catholic ceremonial works must be kept slash met to be saved. That was an answer. Uh, never heard of it was an answer. What? It's getting Roman catholic in here with a frowny face was an answer. <laughs> uh, wow. I wish I knew, but alas, I don't. A little Scottish in there. Uh, let's see, baptism. Oh, the offerings slash indulgences. What? Catholic oh ceremonies goodness. or can be symbolic. Coming from a reformed page, somebody so says. Wait, can you repeat it, that? Yeah. I Catholic wonder. ceremonies or can be symbolic. From a reformed page.
6: Yes. Mm. Oh, that's not really. I, I, wonder no. if
3: they, I wonder if people thought you meant the the seven. You know, Catholic sacrament is that i mean that's what i initially thought when i saw the question
4: well the Westminster and london baptist both use the word sacrament right i'm not mistaken yes. yeah. So, yeah i'm pretty sure i don't yeah. think there's an excuse for a reformed page to, to yeah that's a little bit bizarre in my book yeah this
2: is this is where we start to get interesting now uh somebody says they do not exist somebody <laughs> says not sure baptism somebody says i don't know then somebody goes on to say the seven sacraments uh, Anthony, wow. what it wasn't the... you? By the
3: way, no, it wasn't me.
2: No, <laughs> it was somebody that. <laughs> of wasn't me. Said. No, uh, it was it was. Uh, never mind. Um, somebody says I don't know. Pagan Catholic beliefs. <sighs> hmm. uh, I'm not Catholic. Must do rituals. I'm Catholic. Yes, you are. Uh, okay, hey,
4: yeah, actually, what? so universal.
5: <laughs> so I would oh, you mean Apostles' Creed, Catholic.
4: I, I yeah. kind of like the must-do rituals. Honestly, yeah, I don't disagree yeah. with that. No, a I must. don't either.
2: Must do Lord's baptism and supper. Lord's baptism. Wow, I read that
4: one. <laughs> I was like, I've never heard of Lord's baptism. That's a new one.
2: Yeah.
4: You take communion um, while you baptize.
2: Sacraments are the ordinances that a biblical church is to carry out. Lord's supper and baptism, okay?
4: Like that. That's right, let's
2: go. That's actually a really good answer. It's probably the best one I got. Yeah. Um Lord's Supper and baptism, but I don't hear people use the word only Catholics. So
4: I
5: think it's a terminology thing. It's a a lot of it yeah. is connotation.
4: It's like using Catholic, people will, like jump on you if you call yourself Catholic. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, no, sorry. Hey uh, Brad, you have the London Baptist right there. What what did it I say? I do.
2: Yeah.
1: So it says, uh, Baptism and the Lord's Supper are ordinances of positive and sovereign institution. They are appointed by the Lord Jesus, the only lawgiver, and are to be continued in his church to the end of age. Uh, then it gives a little bit more. Um, it says, Baptism is an ordinance of the New Testament ordained by Jesus Christ. The Lord's Supper was instituted by him the same night he was betrayed. It is to be observed in his churches to the end of the age. Is perpetual remembrance and display. Um, that's, and then they have um, a couple um, clarifications on who can take communion. Uh, they also talk about the doctrine of transubstantiation and the errors of that. Um, but that is it from a sacrament standpoint.
2: They only list um, the two. All right. Well, and I think, I think uh, we can all agree that sometimes the terminology gets lost based upon, you know, the way the Catholic Church has kind of positioned itself. Um, but I'm, I'm really shocked at a lot of the I don't knows and uh, type answers and responses there, because I, I, I would hope that these people have been baptized and have partaken in communion. Um and so I think the biggest issue then is what it comes down to is just basic terminology knowledge here.
4: Yeah. I, I just pulled up the larger catechism of the Westminster just for the fun of it. What is a sacrament? A sacrament is a holy ordinance instituted by Christ, wherein by sensible signs, Christ and the benefits of the new covenant are represented, sealed, and applied to believers. Which are the sacraments of the New Testament, baptism, and the Lord's Supper?
2: Done. Done. So, I hope those who answered uh, don't know that they now know. Yeah. All right. Question number 10. So, we can, hmm, this is a long answer, but if you can do it in under 30 seconds, I applaud thee.
4: Challenge accepted.
2: Is that a case on Yes. How do you share the gospel with others? With words that <laughs>
6: i
4: win yeah no, uh, no. I, f- I i G- f- that paul i mean paul just said it that's kind of what i would
2: say <laughs> actually paul not lying somebody said with your words
6: well, well my, yeah, my, yeah the, the most prevalent thing now is preach the gospel if necessary that's the worst we,
4: that was another thing that we saw recently remember that guy uh I think it was with you guys. The guy who was saying we don't need the Bible. He's gonna God's gonna reach whomever he wants, however he wants. Muslims they don't uh, really need yeah. the Bible. Jeez. Oh wow! According to Romans ten, how does faith come about? How does
5: yeah? It okay. was ten fourteen. How will they call on him in whom they have not believed, and how are they to yep. believe in him of whom they never hear? Yep. How are they to hear without someone preaching? Yep.
4: Here's the biggest concern. Yeah. Everyone who says preach the the gospel use words if necessary doesn't understand the gospel if they say that. Yeah. yeah, you're because right.
2: Because you have to use words, uh, I guess. So here's like I I just want to throw some stuff out, and I want to pick apart some of these. Somebody says love on people, is that preaching the gospel? No. no, 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 no way.
4: It's it could be it could be a a supplemental thing to it. I guess if supplemental is a good word for that, but it's not there's the nothing gospel. more
6: loving than to preach the gospel to someone. Yes, yeah, absolutely. I've been
4: having that conversation too. Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah, I get, yep. Uh, and, go ahead. And I,
5: I think there's some confusion around preaching the gospel. People kind of distort that and make it into just representing Christ. We represent Christ by our kind deeds, by being selfless, yeah. mm-hmm. um, and just mm-hmm. being the aroma of Christ, as Paul says. But yeah. preaching the gospel is more specific than that. It's actually preaching the gospel we talked about in the first question.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's what I was going to say, too, was a lot of times people, when they are, quote-unquote, preaching the gospel to somebody that they don't know or somebody that they meet, they share their testimony. They share what God has done in their lives, and they think that's preaching the gospel. They think that that, that person now will come to faith in Christ because of their testimony, um, because of what they've shared, and they never— share actually what the gospel is they never actually tell that person hey this is what the gospel is this is why it's important this is why you need christ in your life and it's unfortunate because you know a lot of times that's what's happening and then a lot of times it's the let's do the good deeds stuff but we never make an attempt to actually tell them what you know saving or what what christ can do uh or what christ did for them uh, on the cross i guess is the best it's way of it.
3: Yeah. It's two things. It's Christ crucified, Christ risen. And, and, yeah. I mean, and that encompasses so much, but those, you know, that's preaching the gospel.
4: Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think, go ahead. Y'all, y'all said it too. It was, uh, you know, the most unloving thing you could do is hold back the words of the gospel.
2: Yeah. 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 yeah I, I made it a note when I was praying yesterday that I wanted more opportunities to be bold about my faith in front of people and to share the gospel. And i I find it interesting sometimes that that can be, um, I don't want to say the word dangerous, but it could be that's a, that's a prayer that you will, you will get what you pray for and you will be tested in that prayer. And in the, the, in your response to what God provides for you. And, you know, I, I find it interesting that, um, you know, you, you hear the, the, the term, I don't know if Spurgeon was the one that, that coined it, but, to uh, preach the gospel daily. Cause we need to hear it. Yep. Um, you know, we need to preach it to ourselves daily. We need to share it with our, our family members daily. Uh, you know, and, and then anybody else that God puts in our path that we can have an opportunity to share the gospel with them. And you know, and whether it's coming through kind acts, being loving, out on the streets, and helping people uh, in various uh, situations, then that's what it means. Um, and I think to do, you know, to to just say love people is a pretty broad answer, um, and that's kind of why I picked on the on on the response. But I think there has to be the loving people has to be followed with you know, delivering the gospel to them and sharing what we talked about in the first question.
4: Definitely. If you you guys don't mind, too, uh, all of this that we were saying uh, really represents a book that I read recently, so I kind of want to plug it for everyone who's listening. (laughs)
2: Yeah. Um,
4: (laughs) It's The Missing Gospel of Modern Christianity by Trey Talley, and he addresses... Everything we've been talking about misconceptions, phrases that people use and uh, how you should actually preach the gospel. And it's the book all about the gospel. Um, And I think that it's really the gift I'm going to be buying for a lot of my family members soon. So I just wanted to throw that out there. What's the title again? The Missing Gospel of Modern Christianity. I'm going to check that out. I have on my website. I have a review of it. It's the most latest book review. But I think it'll help a lot of people who are self-proclaimed Christians. Yeah. So I want to move.
2: We got a couple more questions. um, Let's see. And time's running short. So can we or do we want to spend the time on answering the distinction between the law and the gospel? Mm. That's a huge topic. That's a very big topic. That's a huge question. huge, yeah. Yeah, I was actually, you know what, the law too, so here I can, I can make it really simple and I'm, and and I'm probably going to butcher this explanation. Law is anything that you would say that you have to do or that you must do. It does not matter what, what falls into that, because anytime you come in and say, well, I have to do this. Okay. Well now you're falling into the law and the gospel is anything that Christ has done for you I was, that you no,
4: had no power over? I was going to make it into a joke and be like, uh, "Well, the law is what you do; the gospel is what's been done." But that's yeah. exactly what we mm-hmm. just
3: said. Yeah. Well, yeah. I,
4: I think a lot of people, you know, just to
3: add on to this, because I, I was speaking with somebody specifically about, you know, I, they had questions about, well, how did Jesus fulfill the law? Are we supposed to keep? Um, the Sabbath then, and what day should the Sabbath be on? Is it Saturday or Sunday? So, I mean, it's it actually would be a great topic for uh, you know another conversation because I, I think it goes deep. You know, it's a lot of people really they have a hard time wrapping their head around you know that Jesus did not abolish the law; he fulfilled all the law, and that's you know that's why we rely on Christ.
1: That's right. Stephen Furtick said God broke the law, or Christ broke the law for us. You know Don't I was going to mention Stephen Furtick man. a while ago. <laughs> that, that, I, was, I
4: that was the roundtable <laughs> original cut of the intro. Hit his little yeah. phrases in there. I remember God like, but, but broke the law. I had to change it. I got tired of hearing him yell that at me. <laughs> yeah, he said for for love. Yeah.
3: But speaking speaking of law, yep. if I could just, if I could pick everybody's brain, so. With, with respect to specifically, and, and the reason I, I'm kind of getting my question in because I know we're running short on time. I'm sorry, Alex. <laughs> but, no, so, so, with respect to, uh, hold on, I wrote it down just. Um, okay, here it is. Sorry. Keeping, so, keeping the Sabbath. So, you know, and I've actually talked to a couple of people about this, you know, and th- is it Saturday or is it Sunday? And I've re- I read, it, I think it was R.C. Sproul. Saying you know it, it's it's really about you know the condition of the heart and, and you know and setting aside a day for the Lord to you know reserved for him for and, and to 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 worship amongst um, other believers. So does it matter that it's a Saturday evening or or a Sunday? I don't.
1: No,
4: I don't think it matters what just, what just day it is at all. Just to make your
1: answer
2: easy.
4: <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't think it matters what day it is at all. I th- I think oh, I mean, Jesus, Tuesday. Jesus is our Sabbath. The Sabbath now is resting in the finished work of Christ. We, right can, we can have our breaks from physical labor, but that's not what the Sabbath was a shadow of. It was a shadow of the work of Christ and fulfilling the law. Excellent. Thank I you. I don't know. No, I, uh,
2: uh, all right. So now we've got two bonus questions, and these can be very easy hopefully, but I actually got a kind of a range of responses. Is faith something you cultivate or is it given by God? What do you mean by cultivate? Is it something that you make? Is it something that you go after that you achieve, work towards, uh, build upon, fill up your cup, whatever (laughs) frame analogy you want to use there?
4: Both. Yeah, I was going to say both, too. I think of Second Peter, you know, supplement to your faith, this, this, and this. Yeah,
1: that's, yeah.
5: Yeah,
4: but it starts
5: from God, right? Because Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, For by grace you've been it's saved through faith. Exactly. Your faith is not your own doing. It is the gift it's of God. The forget. faith is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, as you said. So with that in mind, it starts with God. And in sanctification, we're to walk in step with the Holy Spirit and supplement our faith. It's virtue, self-control, knowledge, love, as it says in Second Peter 1.
3: Yeah, that's yeah. great.
2: Yeah, I got a lot of people that said, uh, they're, a lot of people say it's given by God, a lot of people say it's both, and it's probably pretty much 50-50 on that, on, on the responses. But I, I think you guys are right, it starts with God, and then it's a cult of, you know, and then it's a, you know, I, that process, so, yeah. yeah. You know, it was funny because we were talking about this in class the other day around sanctification and justification, and an answer uh, or a response was that was kind of interesting to me. Is sanctification isn't necessarily a work that we do in ourselves to become more holy. It's the work that God does in us, but it's the it, it, not so much in us growing and becoming more holy; it's us becoming or realizing our position as being justified clearer. Yeah. It, it it clears the, you know, the the sin. I don't know how to really explain it deeper, but um, we have a better understanding of our justification as we progress in our sanctification. And that's kind of how I was. I thought that was a really interesting explanation towards it, but, um, so what does it mean to be made in the image of God? How much time is our have? last question?
4: It depends on depends. I mean, I, I have yet to hear Christian's but, share a view on that. All right.
2: Well, I got a lot of them here. So you ready? Yeah. Uh, oh, wait, wait, wait. in his, in the like likeness. A representation of God that is formal, visible, understandable. Have a soul, be a moral agent, to possess God's stamp of approval. No other creature has been formed by in God's image. Um, let's see. To what be do you mean human,
6: stamp of approval.
2: I don't know. That's what they said. Yeah, that's we have been made in His likeness. God made you
4: along with your parents. Well, you see that answer to be made in his likeness is just synonymous with being made in his yeah. image. So it's not answering the question.
2: Yep. I know. His characteristics ex- uh, the, accept the ability to create. Well, that's interesting. What? Uh, his characteristics accept the ability to create. W- hmm. What does that mean? I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's an interesting response.
5: Well, we can't make anything ex nihilo. Right. But... We can create, and that's one of the interesting things about being made in the image of God. The animals don't really create, like in a sense, okay, a spider's web or a beaver's dam, but look at a city and technology and iPhones. We create because we were made in the image of the
2: creator. That's an interesting. I
4: think that has to do more with like the the capacity we have to think through things. I don't know. I don't know the terminology for it off the top of my head. There's, There's a word for it. But, but i, I also uh, think a moral conscience has a lot to do with it yeah right? i think that th- i think that's primary and i think uh having dominion is and uh, has a lot of to do with it too having that 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 authority over I like, other creation
2: i want your guys's opinion on this one we're precious in god's eyes and we should be like christ that was the answer likeness. to that question yeah can i answer uh, yes you, yeah you can Heretic. Heretic. <laughs> we need to get a heresy buzzer on these roundtables. <laughs> That'll be fun. Uh, here you go. This one's off of Paul or, or Nick. I don't remember who said it. A mind that can think, know, decide, learn, and need relationship.
4: I didn't answer any of these questions. No, I know you didn't. No, neither did I. <laughs> no, you, I were just
2: saying, you were just saying that though a minute ago. Oh, was I? I don't know. Yeah, a lot of it is reflect his nature and likeness. Well, that doesn't answer the question.
4: I think it has to do with we're relational beings, right? Because God's triune. We, we are moralistic. We have morals. We have a conscience. We're aware of things like that. We have a higher realm of thinking than animals. I think we could agree with that. Uh, we have authority, uh, which is also in the likeness of God, who we're represented as a God on earth in some sort of way, before the fall at least but how far that goes i've i've seen so many different details yeah i think it's it's a it's a, a lot long of it has to be practice. assumed because the bible never gives a definition
6: of the image of of what it means to be made in the image of god yeah that's why there
4: are so many views i've yeah. i've heard it summarized like every way that we're like god is the way we are in the image of god <laughs> Which I don't know if I agree with that. Isn't that reasoning from man to God, though? Yeah.
5: And also, didn't the devil tempt Eve and Adam based on trying to be like God?
6: Yep. That's the whole point.
2: So I don't know how that plays into this. That's a good point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think any... Yeah, that's interesting. Because when you try to say you want to be like God, then you can look back at the fall and say, well, that's what caused us to be where we're at today. So... I mean, it's a it's a good question. I I think I'm kind of you know everybody kind of regurgitated the answer. So do we truly become
3: like you know and, and and I get what everybody you know as all you know how we relate and and these types of things, but do we truly become like God when we're redeemed, when we're when we're saved? That's you know that depends on what how, you mean with become and like. Hmm. Well, not become like God, so created in His in His image. Well, I mean, we I know, still
6: are created in His image. When we're no, not no, glorified.
2: Right. Exactly. I, I think what he's saying. Are you saying post glorification?
6: Yeah. Like in yeah. heaven,
2: right? Yeah. So, what is yeah. our what is our heavenly body like? Are, are you know what? How close would we be to God, or are we still? Is there still a, a, a distinction between creator and created? There
1: will yeah. always be. That would We be are arrogant. not eternal.
6: We had a beginning. God didn't.
4: Well, that's an interesting... I point.
6: think the, the main point will be that we will be identical to Jesus' humanity, glorified humanity.
4: I was going to yeah. say the same thing. And I was thinking, yeah. I mean, what is the image of God? You could say, it's Jesus. Mm. Mm, yeah, oh, yeah. Go. He's the image of the invisible Forget God.
3: People. Right. So with with the with the fall of man, sin. I mean, we you know that's the
6: image is marred, but but it,
3: it's not absent,
4: right? And I think I think yeah. the primary issue is the moralistic issue, right? So if that's yeah. one of the ways that Jesus, because there's always that that phrase allie that Jesus is more human than we are because of our state, hmm. or more not more real, but more um, more accurate. I don't know how to phrase that. I think more human is
5: a good way to put it. Yeah. Well, in the sense that he perfectly reflects the image of God, whereas we in our sinfulness have distorted the Imago Dei, I can
4: see that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. What
1: do you Old think, gentlemen?
4: Oh, go ahead. What do you think, Brad?
1: I think you, the. I think we could. <laughs> that's really. I just start, start back at the beginning and kind of work through everybody's answers. Um, but to to kind of like go back to what the question is, like, what does
2: it mean to be,
1: how, how, how was the question worded again?
2: What does it mean to be created in the image of God?
1: I think we, I think we point to Christ. Like Nick was saying, like, like Christ is the, the ultimate image of God. Um, that, that he, he is, he is he is the i don't know how i want to answer that but i'm getting tired and i'm losing <laughs> i'm 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 out of words as i as i always say um but yeah i think i would just say that like you know again it it's Our. i would just point people to christ i'm going to leave it at that i think i think that would be the like the answer i would give is it, it it's christ and we've kind of we've kind of said that through various answers yeah
2: Yep, I think that hits it, and yeah, that's great. all the questions I had. And I hope that uh, this was edifying for people who were listening. And I think we had a lot of really good conversations around just some of the very basic elements of Christianity. And you know, and, and one of the things I'm, I'm really pleased with is how much unison there were amongst the six of us. In our answers and while they might differ and have a different approach and be worded differently i think we all can agree upon you know the very basics and uh, you know and, and that's before i turn it over to nick my challenge would be for all of us to continue that going forward as a teaching point for people who follow us that we relay the basics As not, you know, in everything we do, but, you know, often we we talk about what does it mean to be a Christian? What do you have to adhere to? And, you know, and who is Christ that we follow? Yeah. Yeah, that is that is my only challenge. And Nick, I turn the mic over to you, sir.
4: That was Alex and live at. 103K, the the job. That was awesome, by the
2: way. It felt
6: like a lame version of a Ligonier Q and I,
4: I, I honestly I,
6: think I really,
4: that this has raised the bar for roundtables. I, I I don't play
2: small, so I go big.
4: You know, I noticed you didn't answer that last question, though. I, I noticed that you you skipped a couple of them. I did. Oh, I, I see one more here <laughs> oh, who should be baptized I'm oh.
2: <laughs> well, not what's... inviting Jason back ever again <laughs> I'm, <gone>. I'm <laughs> done
4: well that, uh, that concludes the round table 9 we have all these wonderful guests we'll be sure to put all their information in the descriptions and that'll be it